Verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of one, uh, him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Father, as we examine this great passage, Lord, and think of your holiness, your awesomeness, Lord, how you are the king of the earth, Lord, and uh, the whole earth is under your hand, Lord. And uh, Lord, uh, when we see things just falling apart all around us, Lord, help us, Lord, to respond in faith to you, Lord, knowing that you're our king. And at the same time, Lord God, we know that you have a commission for us to, Lord, to be used by you, you to reach this world to, for Christ, even as Isaiah did it for his people Israel, uh, the nation of Judah, so many years ago. And Lord, help us to take seriously that call and bless us this message now that you have shared with me and I convey to your people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, today is first Sunday of the month, and as you know, first Sunday of the month, we have communion. And today for our communion meditation, I want to look at a familiar passage of Scripture, that is the prophet Isaiah's vision of the throne room of God. We're going to look, take a look at the world in which Isaiah lived in and see how that parallels in many respects, the world that we also live in. I'm also going to look at the vision that uh, Isaiah saw, where he saw the Lord of hosts, and was immediately convicted of his sin, his reaction, and what God did to purge that sin. And finally, I want to take a look at what proved to be his commission, and how God is calling us to uh, to make a similar commitment and how our response to God's call needs to be also, as Isaiah said, here am I, send me. We'll start out with uh, a look at the world in which Isaiah lived. 
Isaiah begins the account of his vision with these words. In the year King Uzziah died... Okay, we'll stop right there and talk about that, what he's getting at. Why does Isaiah preface this account of his vision with what he saw with these first words? In the year King Uzziah died. In all probability, it was because of the events that led up to this vision uh, caused him to do a lot of soul-searching, specifically because he was apprehensive about the future of his nation, <coughs> Judah. You know, there, after Uzziah died, there was a succession of evil kings, with the exception of Hezekiah and later on Josiah. And this was coupled with the rise of the superpowers of that day, the nation of uh, Assyria and also Babylon. The reign of King Uzziah was kind of a golden age of the nation of Judah. They had a succession of good kings, such as Uzziah and his uh, uh, father, Amaziah, and several others before. And because they had been godly kings, God also blessed the nation of Judah. And now it looks like that... Uh, uh, golden age is at an end. Now, Isaiah was probably a godly man, even at this point in his life. Though he was still very young, he was probably somewhere only around the age of 20. Now, to understand the apprehension that he had regarding the future, you have to understand the political climate of his day. At that time, Judah was ruled by kings. And the problem was they would have good kings, but then very often they would be followed by bad kings. The good kings would follow the Lord and the bad kings would not. They would lapse into the uh, pagan religions of the nations that were around uh, Judah. And they would go into uh, these bad kings would actually go into worshiping the pagan gods and participating in their practices. Okay, the kings of Judah during Isaiah's lifetime. Up there is a little table that I made delineating the kings that reigned during Isaiah's lifetime. And the approximate years that they reigned, nobody knows for sure because they didn't have an exact chronology back in those days as we do now. And also, finally, whether they were good kings or bad kings. Note how they kind of alternated between good and bad, good and evil. Okay? And of course, you know, we begin with... How uh, comes doing that? Oh, okay. Oh. There we go. Sorry. Okay. First of all, we have Uzziah who uh, died. This is the one that uh, uh, Isaiah is speaking about in the year that King Uzziah died. He reigned for 52 years and he was a good king for the most part. And he was succeeded by his son Jotham who only reigned fully 100% uh, eight years. But he was actually a co-regent during the final 10 years of Uzziah's reign. And we'll ex 
you know, uh, discuss exactly why that happened in just a few minutes. Then Jotham was succeeded by Ahaz. Ahaz was a very wicked king. He lapsed into the uh, uh, pagan religions of the nations around. He even went so far, so far as to uh, <clears throat> burn his uh, children with fire. So he practiced human sacrifice. And he also built up uh, the shrines to the different gods of the land. And finally, you know, because he was uh, uh, backslidden like that and leading uh, Judah into apostasy, God sent the nation of Syria. And the nation of Syria attacked him, was able to conquer him. And so he cried out for help, but he didn't cry out for help for the Lord. He cried out for help from the uh, superpower, Assyria. And Assyria, you know, he paid them a lot of gold and silver. And Assyria came and to his aid. And then he went to Damascus, the capital of the nation of Syria, the nation that had conquered them. And he saw there a pagan altar. And he made a copy of that and brought that back to Judah and began to worship on this pagan altar. He was a very wicked king. Luckily, he was succeeded by his son, Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king, but by this point, the nation of Judah was very much weakened and subject to the invasions by the superpower at the, of the day, Assyria. And finally, Hezekiah died, and then he was succeeded by Manasseh, who was another very, very wicked king, and did the same practices as uh, wicked king Ahaz before him. Okay, so what about this king Isaiah? So let's, let's talk about him. And particularly, let's let the Bible speak to us about him. We read about this in 2 Kings chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. In the 25th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, Azariah is just another name for Uzziah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Now that's significant, the fact that his mother is mentioned. Because normally they didn't do that. But in this case, I think that Jechaliah was a very godly woman. And because of this, he, she is mentioned in the account here. Because she undoubtedly brought up Uzziah in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as it says in uh, uh, the New Testament. Verse 3, And he, that is Uzziah, did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to that his father Amaziah had done. Except the high places were not removed, the people still sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. It shows that uh, <clears throat> there was not a full repentance 
during of the nation during the time of Uzziah. His uh, repentance was not full because they had these high places. The high places were the tops of the mountains where they still had pagan shrines and the people would go, uh, some of the people would go up there and pay homage to these pagan gods and goddesses in the high places. Verse 5, Then the Lord struck the king and he, that he, so that he was a leper until the day of his death so that he dwelt in an isolated house. And Jotham, remember King Jotham? I said that he was co-regent for maybe about 10 years. The reason why he was co-regent is because Uzziah had to uh, dwell in a separate house because of his leprosy. And so Jotham was co-regent during that time. Jotham the king's son was over the royal house judging the people of the land. Okay, so that co-regency lasted maybe about 10 years. So why was Uzziah struck by this leprosy? Well, the, we find the answer in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Starting at verse 16 of uh, 2 Chronicles 26. But when Uzziah was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So what it says is Uzziah said, well, I've been such a good king, so I should be able to go into the uh, uh, house of the Lord, the temple there, and burn incense just like the priests do. But that wasn't his place. He was intruding in on the office of the priest. And, uh, you know, the king was not to do that. There's another king that did it several hundred years before. And we'd read about that in the Wednesday night crowd when we were going through uh, uh, for, uh, Second Samuel. You know, actually, no, it was, I'm sorry, it was First Samuel. First Samuel. And uh, uh, King Saul said, well, Samuel's delaying you know he's you know I'm about ready to get a slaughter of the Philistines and Samuel's delaying I you know I can't go out and uh, you know uh, start the battle against uh, the Philistines unless we offer the sacrifice so Samuel isn't here so I'll go on ahead and do it myself and then Samuel comes up right afterward and he says what have you done he says because you've intruded in on the office of the priest God is going to remove you as king. So both times, Uzziah and King Saul, they intruded in on the priest's office and were, judgment was pronounced upon them. Verse 19 of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse 18. And the priest withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priest. Verse 19, then Uzziah became furious. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest of the house of the Lord, beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Verse 21, King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off 
from the house of the Lord. Some things that you do that God takes a very dim view and sometimes it costs you very dearly. Now I see a parallel with uh, what was happening uh, with today. Because America, like Judah of old, has had good presidents and bad presidents. The current uh, administration has done nothing but weaken America. How many of you know that's true? You know, they've weakened America starting in day one of the administration where uh, he canceled uh, pipeline and put restrictions on dr uh, drilling. And what happened? Our gas prices have gone through the roof. Moreover, he's weakened the entire energy, uh, the entire uh, economy of this nation by doing that. Because the backbone of uh, America's economy, like any nation, is its energy policy. And it's gotten even worse now. This past week, they just passed this... Uh, uh, supposedly built to fight inflation, but in reality it's just going to make inflation even worse. Now I see a, also a parallel between King Uzziah and the former president. Now some of you may not like what I'm going to say ab about this. I love the former president, but like Uzziah, I think that he has a problem with pride. And you listen to his speeches, you can see that. And this past election, you know, he believes that, uh, you know, he got rooked. That there were a lot of uh, things that were done, a lot of shenanigans that were pulled. And I agree with him. But the thing is, he keeps talking about it in his speeches today. It was a blow to his ego, his pride. And that's why he's bringing this up. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I agree with him about the last election. But you know what? There's nothing we can do about it. As the expression says, that ship has done sailed. Amen? And we can't do anything about it. The most that we can do is make sure it doesn't happen again. But he keeps bringing that up, and I think he's cutting his own throat. And everybody else with him. He needs to move forward. Okay? So just like Uzziah, I think that uh, the former president was lifted up with pride. And we need to get past that. Brothers and sisters, America is in a moral decadence right now. Just like Judah was. You've got rampant abortion, and we've tried to get rid of that. And then now, the, you know, the current administration is trying to do an end around and get around that. And then we've got this radical gender ideology that's so rampant. They're taking our kids in the schools, and they see a, maybe a boy that kind of acts a little bit effeminate, or a girl who acts like a tomboy. And they say to him, are you sure you're a, a boy? Are you sure you're a girl? You know, and uh, they try to, you know, and, and they're doing all this behind parents' backs. And I told you before, God is not going to put up with this. Amen. 
And this nation is going to suffer God's judgment. He's going to put a stop to it one way or another. America is rotting from within just like Judah was. And not only was Judah rotting from within by the influence of these evil kings, but they were also subjected to invasion by more powerful countries outside. And the same thing is happening in America today, brothers and sisters. Our enemies of this nation have never been stronger or bolder. This past week, China gave this ultimatum they said, if you allow Nancy Pelosi to visit Taiwan, there's going to be consequences. And she went on ahead and did it. I don't know if she should have gone in the first place, but once they said she was going to do it, we, we had to do it. Because you can't show weakness. You can't show that you're afraid of uh, China or any other country. And now... China is conducting all these exercises, military exercises around Taiwan. And like I said, they've never been stronger or more bolder. And these energy policies, these, all these policies have weakened the United States of America. And don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if we are at war with China in the next few years. And you know what? <clears throat> we may lose if we don't stem the tide of this weakening. Okay, so you see the parallels between Judah of yesteryear during the time of Isaiah and what we are facing today. Now let's go into the Isaiah's vision. First one of uh, Isaiah chapter six. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now Isaiah, as I said before, maybe he mentioned this occurrence about King Uzziah's death to date his vision, but in all probability has more significance than that, because again, it was a time of great uncertainty for his nation. And Isaiah was very much afraid about what was going on. Uzziah had been a good king with good policies. His one character flaw was that pride which lay, uh, you know, caused him to live out his uh, life as a leper. And so Isaiah is filled with anxiety about his nation's future and caused him to seek God as never before. And you know how God answered that prayer? He answered the prayer with a vision in chapter 6. Now this is kind of in keeping with what the prophet Joel said. The prophet Joel said that in the last days that old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. Okay, so I guess that means I'm going to dream dream and Shane over here is going to see visions. You see any visions, uh, Shane? No? Okay. <laughs> Uh, praise the Lord. Isaiah saw the vision. He was a young man. And God gives him the vision of his throne room. Isaiah is real apprehensive about the death of King Uzziah. But you know what God does? God strips away the veil from his eyes. And he sees that, guess what? 
Uzziah wasn't the real king of Israel. The real king of Israel was the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Say amen to that. The real king of Judah was the Lord of hosts. The real king of the United States of America is the Lord of hosts. He is the one that is running the show. Not America, not China, not Russia, not any of these other countries. It's the Lord. He is still on the throne no matter what happened. Verse 2 of uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Above it stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of, uh, of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Everybody say that with me. The whole earth is filled with the, his glory. His glory fills the whole earth. Not just Judah, the whole earth. Not just America, the whole earth. He is in control. Now this is the only passage of scripture where seraphim are mentioned. Though they are alluded to in uh, Revelation chapter 4 verse 8. Uh, the seraphim were a type of angels that are associated with the holiness of God. They're alluded to in Revelation 4, 8, though they're not mentioned as seraphim. Verse 8 of Revelation chapter 4, And the four living creatures, each having six wings, see, six wings, full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You know what I learned uh, just yesterday when I was writing this sermon? I learned this, this holy, holy, holy. It's called the trihagion. Hagion means holy, and tri means three. And there's pact myth meaning behind the trihagion, the holy, holy, holy. The number three denotes completeness and stability. You take a stool you got to put three legs on it to make it stable. Amen? You ever seen a two-legged stool? Doesn't work too uh, very well, does it? Okay, completeness and stability. It reflects the eternal nature. As it says right there, who is, who was and is, and is to come. The Almighty One. Okay? Same thing is true in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Who knows that? Hebrews 13, 8. Talks about Jesus. The same, what? Today. Yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? The eternity, eternal nature of God. It also shows divine perfection as revealed in the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And finally, it shows God's complete and supreme holiness, unmatched by anyone or anything else. Now, Isaiah describes these seraphim as covering, 
having six wings, and with two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with the other two they flew. Okay? Now, they covered their faces so that they would not look upon God in his uh, supreme holiness, and they covered their wings, covering up their imperfections. Now, this is what the seraphim did that does not mean that we do it either. We don't cover up our imperfections before God. What does it say? It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, keeps on cleansing us from every sin. Walk in the light means you don't have any sin that is not touched by the searchlight of his Holy Spirit. You reveal it and you confess it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 6, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the whole earth, the whole house was filled with smoke. So earthquakes and smoke are a common occurrence here on earth in the presence of the holy God. We saw that in Exodus chapter 19 verse 8 with Moses and the children of Israel. Also Psalm 104 verse 32. Verse 5. So I said, woe is me. For I am undone. Undone there means destroyed or cut off. I'm cut off from the presence of God because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah's immediate reaction to the sight of the Lord of hosts is a feeling of his utter vileness before him. And apart from divine intervention, a certain doom that awaited him and all people. You know, Isaiah is not the only one that became acutely aware of his sinfulness in the presence of God. Same thing happened to Job. You have the entire book of Job. The beginning of Job. Job suffers, who is a godly man, suffers a series of disasters. He lost his family, he lost all of his wealth, and finally he lost his health. And he's got three friends that come to visit him and comfort him in his affliction. And all they could tell him is, Job, these horrible disasters happened to you because there's sin in your life. And Job says, sin? I don't know of... of you know, what I've really done to, you know, arouse the anger of the Almighty God to smite me like this. I don't know. You know, and he defended himself. Though Job, during the course of that, uttered a couple of uh, uh, verses of supreme faith. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives. So he looked forward to that kinsman redeemer who was ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ. I know he lives and he's going to redeem me one day. He looked forward to the time of humanity's redemption. And he also said, though he slay me, though God slay me, yet will I trust him. 
but he continued to defend himself and then God finally appears to him in the latter chapter starting in verse 38 he says that God answered him out of a whirlwind and he just starts, challenges Job he says who are you to judge me where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth and laid out the stars of heaven and he goes on and on and on. And finally, Job, at the end, verse four, uh, chapter 42, verses 4 and 5, he says, I have heard of you, God, by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So Job came face to face with God, and what happened? His pride was brought low. And he saw that his self-righteousness was nothing in the presence of an almighty God. It happened to Job. It also happened to Daniel and Moses and Paul and the apostle John at the Isle of Patmos. Every time the presence of the Lord is manifested, as I've told you before, the pride of man is brought low. Isaiah becomes awareness of, aware of his vileness before Almighty God. And apart from divine intervention, a certain doom awaited him and all his people. Divine intervention. God had to intervene. We're going to be partaking of communion. And we're celebrating that intervention. When God intervened and sent his son to die there on the cross for us. Isaiah couldn't do it himself. Job couldn't do it. Daniel couldn't do it. John couldn't do it. We can't do it ourselves. Our own self-righteousness is as filthy rags. That is what we need to do, is we need God's divine intervention. And thank God he did it through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is this unclean lips? What does it mean? Well, the lips are part of the mouth, as is also the tongue. And Isaiah is using that, this unclean lips, as a metaphor for the sinful way that all, he and all his people spoke as well as their entire sinful lifestyle. You know, how much sin comes from the way that we talk? Amen? The way that we talk, that's how wars are started. That's how adultery is committed. It starts first with the words. So we need to watch our speech, brothers and sisters. You know, Jesus spoke of this in Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to read starting in verse 34. But it really starts with just a few verses before then. When you know what happened? The Jesus was casting out demons. And the Pharisees are saying, It's by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that he cast out demons. And of course, Jesus reasoned with them. He says, How can Satan cast out Satan? His kingdom cannot stand. But then he gives them a real rough treatment in verse 34. 
he says, offspring of vipers. In other words, your children of poisonous snakes. How can you be evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But I say to you, verse 36, that for every idle word men may speak, they give account of it on the day of judgment. That's a rather sobering thought, isn't it? Everything you speak, you're going to be judged for. Now, thank God Jesus has paid the price if we're going out and uh, speaking sinful things. But it makes us, should make us want to clean up our speech. Not just not using foul language or swear language, using the Lord's name in vain, but any kind of corrupt communication. James writes this, verse, uh, James uh, chapter 3, verse 6. In fact, the whole first part of James there, uh, James chapter 3, he deals with the tongue. And he states in James 3, 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. And finally, we have Paul's admonition regarding this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Translation, clean up your speech, brothers and sisters. Use it to build up and not tear down. You know, it says in uh, Proverbs, life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can either speak words of life or you can speak words of death. So watch yourself. Now, how God dealt with Isaiah's sin. Verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and with it he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken over, and your sin is purged, or atoned for. Again, God had to do this purging of sin. One of the angels in the vision purged Isaiah's sin by touching his lips by a coal from the altar. The altar signifies a place of judgment. In our case, our sin is purged or atoned for by the sacrifice of the Holy Son of God. And finally, in verse 18, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. So the man or woman who is going to be used by God in a mighty way must first be cleansed of sin by a deep repentance. And God is always looking for men and women, for people who want to be used by him in reaching this lost world for him, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And his call 
to Isaiah rings loud and clear for us today, brothers and sisters. He doesn't care if you're young or you're old. He doesn't care if you're male or you're female. He doesn't care what your skin color is, yellow, red, black, brown, or white. He wants you to be used by him for his kingdom. And he can use you if you are willing. So who will say to him, brothers and sisters, here am I, send me. You know, brothers and sisters, I've been around foreign missions a, a long time. Almost 50 years since my first year of Bible school. That was 45 years ago. And I cannot tell you the number of foreign missionaries and other ministers too that have been drawn to this one scripture here, Isaiah 6, 8. Who will go for me? Who will speak for me? Then said I, here am I, send me. You know, that's how, that was one of the scriptures that God used to call me to the foreign field too. And he wants to use it to call you to a ministry if you will just listen to him and say that you will go. It's far more than just missionaries that are involved here. It's literally everybody. So the application is for us to minister for him and make an impact in this broken world and these applications are innumerable. They can mean something different to every person in this room. God is always looking for someone that will pay the price to minister for him. I've shared this scripture with you many times. Ezekiel 22, verses 30 and 31. So I sought for a man among them. I sought. God is looking. He was looking back then. 2,700 years ago. Almost 2,800 years ago. He was looking for men. He's looking today. I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But the utter tragedy, but I found no one. God couldn't find someone. This is during, remember I talked about Manasseh? This is during his apostasy. God later found his man, and that was Isaiah. Also Ezekiel, who wrote this. But it was already too late. God's judgment fell upon Judah in the form of the Babylonians who invaded the land, ravaged it, sacked Jerusalem, raised the temple, carried off many people into captivity. God's judgment fell upon Judah. And God's judgment will fall on the United States of America too if something is not done and mighty quick. God found no one, so verse 31, Therefore I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. Says Adonai Jehovah. 
And many years earlier, Solomon had said this in his prayer, Second Chronicles 7.14. You know, I, I, I really wish you would make a note of these scriptures, brothers and sisters, and think about them. Pray and meditate on them. Decide what you're going to do to act upon them. Solomon uh, said in his prayer, If my people who are called by my name, that's not talking about the junkies, the alcoholics, the ungodly people on the far left right now that are pushing this abortion and gender ideology. It's not talking about them. It's talking about you. If you name in the name of Jesus, it's talking about me. It's talking about us. If we will humble ourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Humble himself, pray, seek the face of the Lord and turn from their wicked ways. That was Isaiah when he had this vision. It needs to be us. We need to get a fresh vision of the Lord ourselves. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God is listening for us. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from someone who will stand in the gap. And then he promises to forgive their sin, the sin of the entire land. And the sin of the, this land is so great right now. And heal their land. This is what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters. Pray for revival. Pray every day. I want everybody to make a commitment. You know, we got an election coming up in three months. Less than three months now. I want everybody to make that commitment to pray every day about that election. Can he say amen to that? I will make the commitment to pray every day for revival for this land and for the upcoming election. So, is God calling you to that ministry of intercessory prayer? He is looking for people such as that. Now, I've preached this message, and my uh, purpose is twofold. To first of all, give us an increased awareness of the holiness of God. Those of you that got here in time for the worship service, what did these songs deal with? They talked about the holiness of God. Amen? And every, every, you know, I select the songs. I try to select the ones that have to do with what I'm going to be preaching on. Beautiful songs about the holiness of God. We need to have that increased awareness of the holiness of God. And number two, I'm trying to stir us up into take the call of God seriously of intercessory prayer. Because God is looking for people that will take that call seriously. Okay? So, I always tell you the purpose of communion is twofold. Number one, it's to remember 
the Lord's death until he returns. Call us to remember remembrance of that horrible price that God had to pay of sacrificing his beloved son on that cross for our sins. We need to be reminded of that. And I'm praying about another new series dealing with the cross of Jesus Christ. Maybe we'll start next week. I don't know. I'm going to be praying about it. And the other purpose is to do soul searching. Searching our souls. I've talked about the power of the tongue. Are you going to use your tongue to build up? If you're not using your tongue to build up, if you're using it to tear people down, you know what? You need to examine yourself and repent of that right now while we partake of communion. You need to be aware of the holiness of God because the holiness of God is still there whether you're aware of it or not. You need an increased awareness. And finally, take seriously the call of God to intercessory prayer because the United States of America, brothers and sisters, desperately needs it now more than ever. You know, 20 years ago, I wouldn't be preaching a message like this. But things have changed. And things are going to get a lot worse unless the United States turns the corner and begins to follow the Lord again instead of their own selfish ambitions. Amen. Okay. Susie is going to bring up the uh, final song. Okay. Hit, hit escape there, Susie. Hit, hit the escape key. Susie? Are you? Okay, hit, hit the escape key. Okay, now uh, click on this guy right here, right where I'm pointing, at the cross. Yeah, that's it. Okay. This is kind of a little lengthy here. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Here, pa pause it for a minute, Susie. Um, while we're doing this, I'd like for Freddie and uh, uh, Sarah to come forward and distribute the, the elements. Okay, now this song is a little bit lengthy. It's about six minutes long, but it gives us a time to reflect and uh, uh, think about what we're going to do about this message and how we're going to apply it to our lives.
many of you like that song? Beautiful, isn't it? Reading from the book of 1 Corinthians chapters 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the same night that he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we hold up the bread of life, Lord. The bread that represents your body which was broken for us. And Lord, you endured the cross, despising its shame. You allowed your back to be ripped open by the cat of nine tails and allowed that crown of thorns to be jabbed down upon your brow until your blood ran out. And then, Lord, you endured the ultimate agony of having your hands and feet nailed to the cross. And finally, after you, your life had expired, Lord, to having your side pierced by the Roman spear. Lord, we thank you that you did not withhold your precious body, body from us, Lord, but uh, gave it up there on the cross for our sins. And so, Lord, as we take this bread, help us to remember what it represents, your precious body broken for us. Okay, everybody take it. Verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 11. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often you, as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for what this cup represents, Lord. It's not your literal blood, Lord, but it's what is represented here. The blood that was shed for the new covenant, Lord. Lord, uh, the writer of Hebrews wrote that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And Lord, uh, the shedding of your blood is what has remitted our sins, Lord. And so, Lord, help us to perceive your body and perceive your blood, Lord, as symbolized by the, this bread in this cup. And Lord, as we partake of it, Lord, help us to remember the admonition given by the Apostle John that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. Everybody partake now. Father, I just want to pray that you would help us to remember Isaiah's vision. Lord, what it means to us, Lord. 
Help us, Lord, to walk in the light. Lord, as Isaiah saw his sin exposed before all at the throne room, your throne room, Lord God. Lord, I know that it's, a, it's just a figurative language that's being expressed there, but Lord, it is a call for us to be increasingly aware of your holiness, Lord, and strive to live holy lives ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to remember this scripture, Lord, starting from this, this particular message, starting from the preacher on down, Lord God, and help us to put it into practice. And, Lord, stir our hearts up that we may say with the, the prophet, Lord, here am I, send me. Because, Lord, we know that you are looking for those of us, Lord, that will take seriously that call of God. Raise us up, Lord, as intercessors, Lord, because our nation desperately needs it. And thank you for being with us now, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Prayer request. Um, I want to pray for uh, Sean. You still back there, Sean? Can you come up here? Sean and uh, Grace went, were at Cedar Breaks this past week and uh, did kind of a strenuous hike and uh, he's suffered some severe side effects. They weren't, they're still not sure exactly what's wrong with him, but. Uh, thought he might be suffering from altitude sickness. It's up over 10,000 feet there at, uh, at Cedar Breaks. Did a strenuous hike. Um, they were talking about things as serious maybe as a uh, pulmonary embolism. They also thought maybe possibly uh, had suffered a heart attack or a stroke or was on the verge of one. But praise God, we've prayed about it. He's back here. Uh, he didn't think he was going to be able to come here. But uh, I want to praise God that he's able to come. And uh, we just really need to pray that God will give him complete and total healing from whatever it is that has affected him. Because uh, they went to the clinic here in Kanab and also uh, he spent a night at uh, the hospital in St. George. And uh, anyway, he's here. So I want to pray for the elders of the church. Uh, do we have our... Uh, we seem to have our...
your friend that has the head injury? Any news on her? Um, he has a chemo. She has a Is this the one that hit her head? No, it's inside of her. Put it in your pocket. Okay. Okay, other prayer requests? For rain. Okay. Rain. Real rain. My friend Worth. Worth? Yes, his eyes. Oh. Pardon me? Did you Ethan and Pam? Ethan and Pam. Ethan and Pam. And Trevi, too. Pardon me? Yeah, Aiden? Aiden is doing good. He doesn't need surgery, but he has to wear his longer. Yeah, it must be driving him nuts. Yeah, you know, it, it, How long, how long ago did he uh, break it? It's been a couple of months, hasn't it? Almost. Yeah, that's that's a long time to be in a cast. You know, I haven't had to be in a cast very many times, but it drove me up a a wall when it had happened. Okay, other any other physical requests? Okay, so we got rain, then we pray for our nation. Okay, nation, revival, leaders, and intercessors, not just ourselves, but all over. Pray that God will raise up more, many more intercessors, an army of intercessors. Okay. Um, pray for the other nations too that we usually pray for Israel Ukraine Thailand and Thailand's neighbor Burma okay any other 
pardon me, yeah, family and friends. And, uh, yes, did you have a request? For my granddaughter, uh, Hunter, she's going to school in the kindergarten. I want her to be ready. <laughs> For my niece, too. Uh, where where is she going to kindergarten? In Fredonia. Here. In Fredonia. Okay. And uh, Dolly for her knees. Dolly does a lot of physical work on her job, and uh, you know she's getting up in years. Dolly is uh, sixty six now. Be 67 in uh, <clears throat> in November. Okay, so family and friends. Okay, unspoken request. Okay, who's got them? Raise them up high. Okay, let's go to the uh, Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much that we have this vehicle of prayer, Lord, by which we can approach your throne room. And Lord, your word says that we're not to just kind of timidly approach it, Lord. It says we can boldly approach the throne of grace, Lord, that we may find grace and help in times of need. And so, Lord, we lift up to you, our church family here, for Sean, with the need that we've already prayed about, and also Pastor Sandra, that uh, you would help her to uh, overcome, Lord, the heartache that she feels, Lord, with the loss of Randy, and also, Lord, for the up-and-coming um, operation that she's going to have uh, the week, week after this one, and... Uh, Guide and direct the surgeon skills, Lord, that everything would be accomplished. Pray for Pinit, Lord, that you would heal her foot, Lord, after having half of it removed due to this diabetes. And Lord, we pray that it would not deteriorate f uh, further, but Lord, be healed completely. And Lord, help them to be able to fit her with a prosthetic, prosthetic uh, foot. Pray for Hunter, Lord, as she uh, goes to uh, kindergarten here in Fredonia. And Lord, we pray that she would be prepared for it. And Lord, pray that your hand would rest upon her, Lord. And uh, thank you for this, Lord. Lord, we pray for Dolly's friend, uh, Panon, there in Alaska. Lord, uh, pray that you give her grace, Lord, because of uh, her husband John's stroke and also, Lord, now suffering from Alzheimer's. And, uh, Lord, give her the grace to uh, withstand that. Lord, we pray for both of them because both of them, as far as I know, need to be saved. And, Lord, they need to find you before it's too late. <clears throat> pray for Tukata, Lord, with the uh, uh, cancer that she's experiencing with her fat cells. Lord, we pray for uh, healing for her, especially, Lord, because she's not, uh, she's re reacting adversely to the chemo. 
that they're giving her. Pray for her uh, uh, word signs, Lord. And Lord, we pray especially that, uh, you know, after that you'd give them a touch, Lord, that they would respond to the surgery properly. But Lord, especially we pray for his salvation. Lord, we pray that he might find you. Pray for Dolly and her knees, Lord. You know, she works very hard out there at the uh, Perry Lodge. And so, Lord, give her the grace to uh, <clears throat> be able to walk properly, Lord, and that uh, she would not suffer any adverse effects. Lord, bring healing to that. And, Lord, uh, help us to be aware of any medication that she can take, Lord, that would alleviate the suffering that she's had. Pray for her uh, dear members of her congregation, for Ethan, Pam, and uh, uh, Trevi. Lord, I pray that you'd minister to their bodies, Lord. They're getting up in years, Lord, and they're suffering a lot of health, uh, adverse health effects. Lord, we thank you for uh, Ethan. Lord, minister to him, especially with his breathing ability and help his body to be able to absorb the nutrients from the food, Lord, properly. For Pam, Lord God, for... Uh, her, Lord, and uh, Trevi, Lord, with their digestive problems. Thank you for this, Lord. Lord, I pray for rain. Lord, it looks like we're in a, for a period of a dry spell again. Lord God, I pray that you send that rain our way, Lord. The whole region needs it. Lord, this whole Colorado Plateau area needed very badly to fill up our reservoirs again. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd visit us with uh, rain. And uh, especially in this area too, Lord, with the people that are involved in cattle industry. Bring rain for their cattle, Lord God. And we pray for this nation. Pray for revival. I've been talking about revival, how desperately we need it. Because this nation has turned its back upon the godly principles and the godly morality that we uh, were founded upon. Lord, we know that we weren't perfect, Lord. There were a lot of things that weren't right with this nation at its founding. Lord, we thought we had put it behind us, but Lord God, you know, the people there on the left uh, just delight in uh, uh, reminding us, Lord, of our shortcomings. And Lord, uh, we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to repent of our sins, Lord God, the sin of abortion, the sin of the gender, radical gender ideology that's permeating our schools now, and the sin, Lord, of alcoholism and drug addiction, Lord. And Lord, help us to stand up against our enemies, Lord, and not allow them to continue. Lord, the sin of... Uh, <clears throat> Materialism, Lord. So many uh, people, Lord, in the systems of government and leadership, Lord, in this nation, Lord, are right in the pockets of our enemies there in uh, China, Lord. And Lord, we need, we need to take a stand against what's happening, Lord. Lord, I also pray for our leaders. Lord, help them to 
hear your voice, Lord God, regarding the things that they need to, decisions that they need to be make. And Lord, if they refuse to repent, I pray that they might be removed from those positions of leadership, maybe by the upcoming election that we have. And Lord, I pray also for uh, intercessors to be raised up. Lord, I've preached on this today. Pray, Lord, that we would take heed to it. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, move uh, among our midst and find other people, Lord, that would be willing to say with Isaiah, Here am I, send me. Pray for Israel, Lord. We know that you're going to protect them. So, Lord, we know that their enemies, the rhetoric, this inflammatory rhetoric, is not going to come to pass. Lord, Iran says that they're going to wipe them off the face of the earth. But Lord, we know that that will not happen because you will not permit it. And Lord, I just pray for wisdom for those leaders there in Israel and the leaders here in the West too, Lord, uh, how to proceed and deal with the uh, Iranian problem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we thank you for bringing that peace now, Lord. We know that it's only fully going to come when you, the Prince of Peace, are reigning there in Jerusalem. Pray for Ukraine, Lord. Pray for that you protect the people there. And Lord, help them to stand the tide of the Russian aggression. Lord, pray that you'd keep casualties to a minimum. And Lord, help the uh, nation not to be embittered towards you, Lord, with all the things that they have had to suffer. Pray for Dolly's home country of Thailand, Lord. We pray for revival there too. Take and use your church, Lord God, to preach your gospel to that nation of darkness. Lord, I pray that many people, many hungry souls would reach out and find peace through you, the Prince of Peace. And Lord, protect them from the COVID uh, uh, virus, Lord, the COVID.